So today is Christmas Day and if you're listening today then have a lovely day. I hope you're having a lovely day um, however you celebrate if you celebrate and if you're listening to this afterwards I hope you have enjoyed some downtime. Today Eileen Adamson joins me from Your Money Sorted and I think you'll find this discussion really interesting because it's all about money mindset but It comes from the perspective of a teacher. Eileen is a teacher and she works specifically with teachers as well. So whether you are an education business owner, whether you are a current teacher, whether you're a former teacher, she talks very much about some of the mindsets that we have because of our history or because of what we do. She talks about things like how to approach pricing your offer and also about future proofing and planning your financial future. So some really practical advice in here, which I really support. I really like a lot of what she said and a really good discussion generally about a topic that we find really hard to talk about normally. So I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha, and I'm so pleased you're here. As an education business owner myself and a former teacher, I understand the nuances that only apply to us. So in this podcast, I share fluff-free, tailored and actionable ideas that you can mould to suit your needs. If you'd like to take this conversation further, please do reach out. I would love to meet you. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review. That way, you'll be helping me help more people. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. So welcome, Eileen. I'm so glad that you've joined me. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. Now, before we jump in, would you introduce yourself? Thanks very much for having me, Samantha. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you today. Um, So I'm Eileen Adamson. I'm a teacher and a money coach for other teachers. And I run a business called Your Money Sorted. And a wonderful podcast called Your Money Sorted as well. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. (laughs) Your Money Sorted Teachers podcast as well. Yeah, forgot about that one. Oh, thank you. Now, money mindset is such a huge topic. So I thought it would be interesting to start with something a little bit more practical, something that I see that a lot of people feel uncomfortable with, me included, and it's all around pricing. And it's this overthinking of, am I charging too much? Am I too low? Some people feel worried about saying how much they charge to clients and what their reaction might be. What kind of mindset blocks do you think could cause this and how do you think people can get more comfortable talking and thinking about money oh it's a great question and it's (laughs) a great topic it's it's there's so much around it and first of all I think one of the blocks is actually a kind of a kind of specific education block um I call it the education effect on on teachers and on their mindset and I think teachers are so beaten down by the constant scrutiny that we lose the power to believe in ourselves. We we just begin to think, oh, right, can I really do this? Am I really capable? So the imposter syndrome kicks in big style. And it then means that teachers and ex-teachers are very guilty of underselling themselves. They question themselves all the time because they just don't know, am I worth it? So I think that coupled with the way that money in general is kind of spoken about, I think especially in the UK. Yeah. I mean, it's rude to talk about money, isn't it? I was it? just going to say that, yeah. <laughs> you should never talk about money and it should always be talked about in hushed tones. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when we're grown up, I think often 
money discussions would take place with parents or with grandparents or whatever, but it wouldn't be something that the children would be included in. And often children were only included in money discussions when they heard people arguing about money. So it, it then became a kind of difficult, a difficult topic to, to think about. Thinking back to when you were a child as well, I was always told that it was rude to ask for something that I wanted. Do you know you'll get what you're given and you'll be thankful for it? And I think that as well has led to people having blocks around being able to ask for money and being able to ask for what they're worth. Um, and that we should just wait and just kind of be told how much we should get. So there is that issue as well. I think there's also an issue around... Um, do you know that kind of, oh, who do they think they are? Do you know if somebody's charging something else and something somebody's charging much more than you? And we see it now online yeah. that there is definitely an element of, oh, yeah, who do they think they are? So therefore, that then makes us kind of think, oh, right, okay, I've got to be very careful around what I'm pricing. Um, I think as well, another money mindset issue around that is the fear that money's going to run out and the fear that if if I'm making a lot of money, then it means that someone else is making less money. And if I if I charge more, then somebody else is worse off. And it doesn't necessarily need to be like that. Money is infinite. And if you are earning more money, it doesn't mean that other people are earning less. Other people are in charge of what, how much they're earning. You're in charge of how much you're earning. So we the, all these things are impacting on teachers and, and thinking about um, how much they should be charging. Another thing that I think stops teachers, ex-teachers, people like that, is that um, we're very good about thinking about others. And we always tend to put others before ourselves. So therefore, you think about the person who's paying you and, well, oh, can they afford that? And that is not our problem. Um, it is Our problem is only us and how much we are earning and how much we are making. And it's very much around earning what you deserve and making an impact with the work that you're doing. So what I think that people need to start doing is to improve their money mindset in general, first of all. Um, and then we'll talk about exactly how they can start thinking about their pricing differently. But it's about improving your money mindset and just start noticing how you feel, write about it, listen to positive podcasts, read books about money, read blogs about money, consider affirmations, I am worthy of success, I serve, I deserve, which is one of Denise Duffield Thomas's ones, which you, you're a Denise Duffield Thomas fan as well, I know. Um, things like I deserve to be paid for my skills, I deserve to be paid for my knowledge. And these things if you begin to talk to yourself in your head and use these sorts of phrases, it's so much more powerful than using the phrases about, oh, I can't possibly charge that. Oh, that's too expensive. The more you say that to yourself, the more you begin to believe it. So it's very much about turning that mindset around. Um, in terms of practical, which a lot of people really, really like, and um, it, it's much easier to then 
to then think about how to price. The practicalities of it are, you need to start by looking at what your overheads are. You have got business costs and you need to consider those. So you might have a website, email provider, a bookkeeping software, an accountant. You might have memberships that you're you're paying, a marketing, advertising. You, you need a laptop. You might have an accountant. You've got your, your heating and lighting. You've got lots of bills, phone, broadband, etc. All these things come into your pricing and how much you're going to pay for people. So you've also got to pay tax. So if you're charging somebody 20 quid an hour, you've got to remember that 20% of that roughly is going to go on your tax or 20% of your profit. Once you've taken all your costs off, there's another 20% goes away. What I always suggest is that business owners should get used to putting 20% away each month for their tax. And then what happens at the end of the year is you then have a little extra to treat yourself because you don't exactly need all that 10, 20%. But that's just an extra wee tip in there. Um, another thing that I think that business owners forget about is how much does their lifestyle cost? So how much do you want to earn? How much do you want to have in earned income, in profit each month to, to sustain the lifestyle that you want? So look at what that lifestyle is. How much do you need for that? And then you've got a realistic figure to aim for each month because you've got, you know how much all your costs are, you know how much your lifestyle costs, then you need to think, right, how much do I need to bring in to cover all that? And that gives you a kind of figure to then work towards. You're then thinking, right, how much time have I got each month? And then how many people do I need to work with in order to bring about that money? So what I think in terms of money mindset is that we need to stop thinking about the, the kind of cost per hour. Don't think about how much am I charging per hour. Think about the value that you're offering to somebody. So, for example, tutoring, which is obviously what you're working with and you're working with a lot of tutors, Samantha. Um, thinking about the value of that tutoring to that child. And you you tend to think, oh, well, it's about getting better exam passes. It's about getting them into that specific school or uni. But it's about so much more than that. For me, the value of tutoring is that we're building confidence in children, building belief in themselves, and that transfers into all other areas of their life. So you might be working with a child on tutoring only English, but the belief and the confidence that they get from that one-to-one -one tutoring or small group tutoring, that transfers into all the other areas in life. It transfers into their ability to play music, to play sport, to do maths better because they've got that increased confidence. And what that then does is that gives them more opportunities. It gives them more choice, but not just in school. It gives them that for the rest of their life and it gives them a much better future. That then gives them a much better lifestyle and they then turn into happier adults. Now, that is worth its weight in gold. And I think parents would pay happily, especially if they understand the benefits for their children in the future. And as a parent, you just want the very best for your children. So it's not about thinking that I'm helping this child to pass an exam. 
or I'm helping this child to get into the school they want. It's absolutely about all these things and thinking about the difference that you're making to that child. And if you then think of it all that way, being able to charge what you're worth is so much easier. Yeah. You've said a lot of really good things. <laughs> I mean, the last thing you said there about uh, the impact that educators have, I would say that in my experience, that's the part that educators don't struggle with. They're really clear about the impact they make that they want to make, because that's exactly what drives their passion. But there are a couple of things you said that I would really love to highlight. This whole concept of, especially when you come from a teaching background, but I think when you're an educator in general, even if that's not your background, you we don't put ourselves first because we're almost trained not to. And I know that's something we discussed um, when, when I was on your podcast as well. It's there is this narrative that the children come first, that your department, if you're working in a school, your department come first or, you know, it's you're always last. And I think that's definitely something that's really hard to get your head around because I think there's also a a kind of question, do I choose, like if I choose money, then that means that I don't care so much about the children. If I care about the children, then I can't choose money. And actually the reality is you can choose both. You can earn really well and that has, you know, you can still care about the impact you make on the people that you work with. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I think that's really, really important and and also a really tough one to to move past and to accept and to embrace. Um, and also you were talking about that fear of success in a way, that fear of making more because then what if it means that somebody else makes less or even maybe a guilt if you have grown up with that narrative of, you know, we're, we're just going to stay in our box. These are our people. This is what we do. And the thing is that I think that it's quite unconscious and so it's really hard to recognize sometimes so someone kind of listening to this might be thinking well I know that money's not going to run out why are they telling me money's good you know I, I already know that but when you dig a little deeper some it may not be as transactional as that but there might be a concept or a little feeling of guilt or just something rooted there that influences how you feel about talking about money and dealing with money when it comes to your business and one more thing I wanted to talk about is that you were talking about the that kind of practical calculation if you like that you can make to work out things like your pricing Um, and you taught one of the things you talked about was you know how many clients do you need to make that money and something I would just add to that is that don't forget the time that you spend outside of client work So, you know, if you are a tutor, you might be doing planning. If, well, forget, even if you're not a tutor, even if you run a business, you're spending time perhaps creating content. And at the beginning, you don't, you won't necessarily be getting paid for that. And that's okay because it's just a stepping stone to your next step. But at some point, you do want to make sure that you're absorbing that time in your fees. So I do charge by the hour for tuition, language wise. But actually, the fee absorbs the time that I've spent outside of that as well. It has a kind of contingency built into it. So I think regardless of because uh, the reason I'm mentioning this specifically is because at the moment, there's this trend that I'm seeing in my world of people saying, don't charge by the hour, do it in packages. 
And my opinion is there really is no right or wrong way. Do what you want. It's your business. Um, if you want to say I charge X amount an hour, I take payment from my duties weekly um, in advance, direct debit. So I don't have any issues with that. But yeah, it's weekly. I don't charge a package. I used to. But the point is, is that there's a difference between language and actually taking the concept because you could charge a package and still be charging by the hour. You could have worked that package out saying, well, that, you know, it's 30 pounds an hour. And so it equal, equals to this. So I think it's the concept that people really need to take from that. Uh, but thank you for sharing so much there, Eileen. I think that was such a great answer. And yeah, just some really important things that I think were, you know, it's a, it's a great start to the conversation. And when I was on your podcast last week, we, we, we've done a little podcast exchange, which is lovely. <laughs> we talked about money blocks that teachers often have. Now, you've already touched on this, the fact that if you come from an education background, sometimes there are specific things like struggling to put themselves first. I suppose a bit more of a personal question, if you don't mind, is have you ever struggled with that? And if so, what helped you overcome it? Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. I have struggled with that. Um, I used to be, I used to be quite a kind of self-sufficient, quite a kind of out there. I was, I was always just myself and I could do whatever I wanted and I was very happy. And then I got married, had three children, three under two, which wasn't planned, but um, there we go. That was twins second time around. And suddenly I found myself with these three wee kids um, still working full time, just pressures on me and on everything. And I was, I was trying to keep the house clean. I was trying to feed everybody. I was trying to fit in exercise somewhere. Now I'm a PE teacher, so exercise was really important to me. But I, I just found that there was just not enough time to do everything. So exercise kind of became something that I had to do. I still wanted to do. But I ended up running and I hated running, but it was only because I could just leave the house and then kind of half an hour later, I was back in the house cooking the tea again with my running gear on. And, do you know, it fitted in with my lifestyle, but I hated it. Whereas for me, sport has always been something that I've enjoyed and really, really loved. But the fact that running became my exercise or my sport the fact that I was running about constantly looking after these children I just oh I found myself in a place that I was really unhappy and I certainly didn't have time for myself and one of the things I think that really changed it for me was I started working on personal development eventually I mean we're talking kind of 12 15 years of feeling pretty miserable really um and I started reading books. I started following podcasts. Well, probably not podcasts back then. It was just reading books, reading blogs and things. Um, and just began to go, right, okay, the only person who can change any of this is you. And you, instead of moaning about everything and complaining about everything, I need to start looking more positively about things. And one of the first things was, and I don't know that I've admitted this publicly, but um, here goes. Um, I, my husband, when I married my husband, I was just absolutely in love with him. And then I suddenly found myself married to this man that really I didn't really like very much. He just, everything that he did annoyed me. Um, and 
we just seem to be on very different pages and uh, oh and I was really unhappy and I was thinking right that's I, I should never have married him I, I I don't feel happy in this relationship and then one day I read something and I was like right okay stop looking at the things that annoy you about him which is what I had started to do and start looking at the things that you like about him and the things that don't annoy you about him and very quickly actually by switching my mindset off the negatives about him, I began to go, oh my goodness, yeah, that's why I married him, because he's really funny and he really makes me laugh and he's very caring and everything. And really very quickly, I managed to switch that around and he didn't know any of this. I mean, he just thought I was just grumpier than normal. But it wasn't until after I came out of that place, I told him what I'd been thinking and he was like, all right, okay. I thought you were just I'm so grumpy. glad that had a ending there. <laughs> <laughs> I, was bit, I was getting a bit worried. Uh, no, no, not at all. And it, it made me go, right, okay, this is the person I love most in my life. And I had decided he was a complete and utter pain in the neck. And actually, it was nothing to do with him. It was me. Uh, so at that point, I was like, right, okay. So what other areas of my life are really annoying me here? And what do I need to do about it to change that? So it, for me, the biggest thing was starting to look positively at everything. I wasn't particularly happy in school either. But I then, rather than going in and moaning every day about the things that were making me unhappy, I started looking at the things that made me happy about my job. And working with the children has always made me happy. Spending time with the kids at school has always made me happy. So I just started focusing on those things. And, you know, when you start focusing on the positive things in life, more positive things appear. And the absolute opposite is true. The more you focus on the negative things in life, the more negative things that will appear. So and my advice to anybody is just start looking for the positives and start being grateful, practicing gratitude, being grateful for all the good things in your life rather than being angry and upset about the things that are bad in your life. And it then it is completely, completely transformational. And for me, yeah, that's that has then allowed me to get into a place where I prioritized myself. So for me to begin with, it was very much about personal development time. For me now, it's about I know that I need to be out on my mountain bike or I need to be out in the hills and I need to be exercising. I need to be lifting weights and things because that's what makes me me and that's what makes me happy. Um so it is very much about discovering what makes you happy. And those things, doing more of that then allows you to be a happier person, which allows you to be a better mum, a better wife, a better partner, a better teacher, um, daughter, husband, uh, daughter, um, sister, whatever, friend. It just allows you to be a better person. And and that for me was transformational. Yeah. I think what you're what you've lent into there is uh, is something I don't know loads about because it's something I'm only recently discovering, I suppose, and that is the science of positive psychology, yeah. where traditional psychology focuses on the problems people have, the things humans don't do correctly, if you like, whereas positive psychology is looking at well, what do we 
do correctly and what do we what makes us happy and let's amplify that let's do more of that I think something really important actually that you said there is this concept of taking responsibility you know um I think that and we're all guilty of this and also something I want to say is that I sometimes I really try and focus on being positive and then when I'm not having a particularly positive day I feel bad for not being positive <laughs> and uh, you know I have to say that the thing that really helped me was hearing someone say look you know turning things around for yourself and being a positive person doesn't mean being positive every single minute of every single day you're you're a human being but I think this concept of taking responsibility when you're ready to is really important it's really important and it applies to business as well you know we've all probably been in that situation where we focus on what we don't have we focus on what we're struggling with and we feel frustrated but we also know deep down there is something we could probably do about it but we're not doing it and that's okay that is all right because when you're ready when you feel really motivated to make that change you will and you'll do it successfully because no one's forcing you or guilting you into doing it so I think it applies to you know your personal life to business you know both really and also the it's the you know what you were saying about being you know exercising gratitude there are people who really you know they think all of that's really woo woo and that's that's okay but I was I did to begin with me too actually but I think that something that isn't woo woo that no one can deny is the power of language you know if language wasn't powerful then marketing simply wouldn't exist advertising wouldn't exist language is really powerful and because it's powerful it can change how we feel um and I this may have been a Denise Duffield Thomas example I really can't remember but I remember hearing this story and let's just say it was her where she was saying that she used to really dread getting her bills through the post and she'd open it with so much dread oh god this is never ending another bill and then one day she just decided to say I'm really lucky that I get to pay this bill. I'm really lucky that I can. There are people who don't get this bill. They would do anything to get this bill. And it just made her not dread getting bills. It made her, you know, one aspect of her life that was actually really negative and causing her stress stopped causing her stress. And so it's it's a really little, small example but I think it does demonstrate that the language and the narrative that we use, that we tell ourselves, you know, if you're going to spend every day saying, oh, I'm so tired, you are going to feel tired. And I do it. I did it last week where all week I was talking about how tired I was. <laughs> um, it, it's just it's just how it goes. You know, try it out even if you don't believe in it. But it, it is a fact. It, it really does work. Everything you've said, I think, is, you know, I'm, I stand behind totally. I, I really do agree with it. And, and for me, I think Samantha, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. That an easy way to start is watching what you're putting into your head. So for me, I realised that every night I watched the news at 10 o'clock and I went to my bed at half past 10 feeling utterly miserable because the news just depressed me. And it was talking to friends of mine, my sister and a really good friend. They were like, oh, I never watched the news. And they were two of the happiest people that I know. And I'm like, right, they, neither of them ever watched the news. And I was like, I do you know? Watch the news. Yeah. And I stopped watching the news. And it, it seems like a really silly, simple thing. 
But because I stopped watching the news, I went to my bed earlier, I read my book, I then fell asleep feeling quite calm, quite relaxed, I slept better, I woke up in the morning feeling refreshed, and then I felt more able to face my day, more able to achieve things. And from that tiny little switch, kind of it snowballs from there. And for me, it's very much about making tiny changes. Don't try and make massive changes. But one of the easiest things, as I said, is that you can watch what's going in. So avoid news, avoid negative Facebook groups, avoid getting sucked into negative social media and instead replace that with like reading happy news or um, listening to positive podcasts, listening to um, positive audiobooks, reading positive blogs. Do you know, it's about watching what you're putting in in the first place and that will then give you those wee wins that will then see you make some progress and and make you want to then go more into it and maybe learning to practice gratitude and things like that can come from there. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, actually. I mean, I remember before I was a teacher, I was a corporate business trainer and, you know, London was kind of my stomping ground. So I would get the tube in every day. And one of my favourite things to do was read the Metro, which is just a free newspaper that you get. So it was my favorite thing to do. And I remember arriving every day, I arrived to work exhausted every single day. And I didn't really know why until I realized that I was starting my day that way. So it's not just about how you end your day, it's how you start it as well. And I stopped getting the Metro. I, I missed it. I, had, I was really like, what am I missing out on? You know, but I, I stopped doing that and it really made a difference. And around COVID time, I stopped watching the news completely. Um, and I haven't watched it since. And I'm ignorant. I am in a lot of ways. I'm really ignorant about having a deep understanding of what's going on around the world. But it's a choice I make because I was starting to feel so incredibly helpless. And you feel cross at some of the stuff that's going on on your doorstep, let alone around the world. And yeah, I just felt really, really helpless. Like there was nothing I could do about it. And that I was surrounded by corruption and all of this. So what I do now, just to know what's going on, so I'm not living under a rock, is on my phone, I have Sky News and I don't know, whichever default news thing there is installed with an Apple phone. And it just gives me highlights. Yep. So I just get the notification and it gives me the headline. And if I want to read more, I click on it. So recently when Matthew Perry passed away, I did want, you know, I did want to read that. Um, but if I don't, then I just look at the headlines. And I know that headlines can be misleading. They're, they're not designed to inform us. They are designed to kind of attract us. But just making those choices have has definitely really helped me not feel quite so heavy. I think that's the thing. Exactly that, exactly that. And the impact of that is huge because like you say, there's so much in the news that we cannot do anything about, but it's the impact that it has on us that we need to care about. Yes, we can care about what's going on in the rest of the world, but there's nothing we can do about so much of it that if it's then having this impact on you that's stopping you from getting out there, stopping you from enjoying your life, then... It, it's that that needs to change and yeah. if if everybody if everybody was able to do that if everybody was happier then there maybe would be less horrible stuff going on in the world do you know what I mean yeah yeah it's true it's true um 
I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have people around me like my husband and some of my friends who give me like the cliffs notes <laughs> on. <laughs> so, you know, if something that is very complex is going on that I don't really understand, they will explain it to me in a succinct, succinct way so that I, I'm informed. But yes, I, I don't have that deep knowledge and I, I choose yeah. not to, I suppose. Now, I just want to talk about something that's also quite practical, but also I know leans into the work that you actually, you know, do quite actively. And that is things like managing your money and planning for your future as a business owner. It can feel, you know, like the other day, actually, I was in this really great Facebook group that I'm a member of. And someone was asking, what do people do about their pensions? And it's it's a really, you know, there are loads of options and you can speak to a financial advisor, but I find that whole topic so stressful I don't know why I've got this thing that the minute we talk about those sorts of like investments and pensions and this and I just get stressed immediately I just don't like the topic um but you know we do need to think about things like our retirement and general sustainability of our businesses I've got a friend who's a tutor and she's in her 50s and she has talked about she has talked about what am I going to do in my future I really need to think about this now so in your in the work that you do, what kind of things can people put into place, regardless of their age or what stage of life they're in? But what kind of things can they put into place to just prepare for their future a little bit so they don't have to teach or do whatever it is they're doing forever? Yeah, because none of us want that, do we? So, yeah, I work with mainly teachers um, trying to help them to make sure that they've got enough money to live happily now and then make sure that they can plan effectively so that they can leave teaching or employment or their business when they want to, rather than being stuck till till full retirement age, which is now 68 for the youngest. Um, so uh, I kind of start with, what's your retirement dream? What do you want to do? Um, and rather than focusing on, and on like pensions and ISAs and things like that, it's very much about creating that retirement dream. And it's very much about looking, sitting down, going, right, what do I want to do? How do I see my retirement? Do I see myself traveling the world? Do I see myself spending time with grandchildren, playing sport, having adventures, loads of cruises, coffee with friends, whatever it is, and just building a picture of that. And from there, it's then about working out how much you need for that. And there's some super stuff out there that allows you to do that relatively quickly, um, which have got some great stuff on their website, which it gives you like the amount that you might require for a luxurious lifestyle, a comfortable lifestyle and a basic lifestyle. So that then gives you a kind of rough figure. From there, you then need to think, right, well, how much have I got? Have I got anything for retirement? Have I put anything aside for that? Um, and for some people it's no and that's okay but others have got stuff um, if most teachers sign up to a teacher's pension when they start so that's always a kind of good start um, but once you've worked out how much you've got you're then trying to work out well what's the shortfall by, between my ideal re retirement figure and by um, what I've got just now so Fidelity, they suggest that you should be saving approximately 13% of your gross income um, from 25, age 25 to 68. So each year you should be saving approximately 13% of your gross income. Now, obviously, the later you leave that, the more you'll you'll need to start thinking about 
saving. But if you're somebody who lives a very basic lifestyle and is really happy with very little, then you'll probably not need to save as much as that. But that's why it's so important to get back to that retirement dream. That's the main thing you've got to focus on because that's the thing that will keep you motivated when somebody says pension and you're like, oh, I'm really not interested. As long as you can remember, well, if I don't deal with this pension or stocks and shares or whatever, then I'm not going to get this retirement dream. So it's very much about focusing in on that and going from there. So what can you do? Well, pensions are a great start um, and pensions have had a lot of bad press, um, but they are a tool. And um, what for me it's about is, again, starting small, start reading things, start listening to blogs, start following um, Facebook pages, Instagram pages, etc. that talk about things like that. Um, there's a lot of good people out there who break it down and talk about it in proper language instead of all this fancy hoifalutin financial language. We just need to talk about things in, in plain and simple and basically, a pension is just a savings pot for retirement. That's really all it is. So your options are thinking about pensions, thinking about stocks and shares, thinking about building savings, maybe investing in property, things like that. And it's about having a diversified income, which means that you would have lots of different things. So rather than putting all your money into a pension, you would think about maybe putting some into pensions, some into stocks and shares, some into maybe savings, some into rental properties, etc. So then if any one of them isn't performing well at any given time, then it's okay because you've got this diversified portfolio. Um, portfolio is just simply like, it's like a basket that keeps all your stuff for retirement in it. Chitters in particular, have got some other considerations that would be ideal for them to start preparing for retirement. So thinking about having passive income. Um, so could you perhaps have um, resources that you could sell online that you create the resource once and then the resource is just available on your website or on some of the big um, selling platforms that people can then buy that and, and you don't need to do anything. So that type of income is really, really useful in day-to-day -day life, but it's also really useful as a retirement income because there's nothing that you need to do with it. So especially digital resources, because they just get pinged out, somebody buys them, they ping off and you don't need to do anything. So that would be an ideal additional income in retirement. You can also consider taking on other tutors so that potentially what you could look at doing is your retirement plan could be that you're potentially still the head of the business, but you might have somebody in managing the business for you and you have then got tutors who are um, tutoring and that is your retirement income. So that can be quite a powerful way of creating a retirement income without having to think about doing the pension savings, etc. But again... I would say trying to use a little of each of these different ideas to create an, a retirement income is absolutely your ideal. So yeah, it's just about focusing on that retirement dream and then allowing that to make you have the motivation 
to then look beyond that and start thinking about these other things. And once you start breaking them down, once you find the right support, um, it's not actually that scary. It's actually quite simple. And a lot of these things as well, for example, a pension, it's just find the pension, find a pension advisor who can help you with that um, and then set up the direct debit and just pay it and that's it. It's job done. And then they can look after it for you or you can find one yourself and look after it yourself. But it, the biggest job is actually setting up that that direct debit and then that's it. You can forget about it. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, something you said there about deciding on what your retirement dream is reminds me of Ramit Shetty, who he, oh God, I can't remember the name of his Netflix program. He's got a podcast as well now. I can't remember what it is. But he's this American guy who um, basically has a system. And it's it starts with creating your dream life and then working out how you're going to enable that. And he says things like, you know, we're raised with this concept of you must own your own property and all of this. But actually, if that doesn't fit in your dream life, then don't rent. There's nothing wrong with that. So he's a, he's an interesting guy to, to listen to, I think. Um, but something you said about having a diverse portfolio for a retirement plan, you know, not just putting everything, for example, into a pension. I actually think that's also important in your business to future proof it. So, you know, you mentioned a lot of ideas about tutors, for example, earning a passive income. And, you know, all of that is true. But I also think in addition to that, you can look outside of your business. You don't have to put all the pressure on your business. Um, this isn't something I did intentionally as such, but outside of this, I'm a musician. And in December, where I typically would stress out because tuition would dry up, I just never did because I knew that as a musician, I'd have the Christmas party gigs, the New Year's Eve gigs, all of that. And I was covered. And when COVID happened and lockdown happened and everything, music obviously stopped, live music stopped. And a lot of my musician friends where that's all they do unfortunately really really struggled and it was in that moment that I realized that unintentionally I had diversified my income and I was so glad that I had my tuition business and that I was able to jump online with because that thrived and I didn't again I wasn't in a situation where I didn't have to sort of worry about money so the two have almost supported each other and outside of that my husband and I we do have like an investment property and I have relatively recently, I should say, um, set up a pension. I should have done it much sooner, but I was avoiding it. Um, so, yeah, I think just having that diversity and not putting all the pressure in your business can also alleviate pressure because rather than thinking, how am I going to make my business serve me in the future? You can say, well, how about if I say that my business is great? I love the way it runs. And I don't really want to change it. So I'll just do it for as long as that's sustainable to do it like this. But I'll look at opportunities outside of my business to future proof instead to give me that security. So I think that can be really useful. So thank you, Eileen. You've shared so much. How can where should people go to to see more about the work that you do? So you can find me over at yourmoneysorted.co.uk. And you can also find me wherever you get your podcasts at Your Money Sorted Teachers Podcast. And I've got a free challenge coming up in January, which um, is 
for teachers and people who would like to maximize their money. And um, so you can find out over at yourmoneysorted.co.uk forward slash maximize. Lovely. Thank you. And is there any last note that you would like to leave people on when it comes to things like your money mindset, especially as a business owner? Uh, Positivity. And it's it's just about looking looking at yourself, looking at what makes you happy, looking at what makes you tick and focusing very much on that and then build that lifestyle and build that business around that to suit you. So if you don't want to work weekends, then don't work weekends. Find a way around that and, and make sure that the lifestyle that you want is supported by your business and rather than rather than um, the business dictating, you dictate what you want your business to offer you. That's a very empowering way to end the episode. I'm glad you said it that way, uh, because we often talk about doing things on our terms, and that's really important. So thank you, Eileen, for your time. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Yeah, it's been really nice. Thanks very much for having me, Samantha. I've really enjoyed our chat. Would you like to take this discussion further? Perhaps you have some questions or you'd like more ideas on tailoring your business. If so, book a free discovery call through the link in the show notes.